Well, good morning, and thank you for being part of Mariner's Church today. Uh, my name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I would like to give you a very special welcome. I'd like to also welcome all of you that are upstairs in the loft. Thank you for uh, coming here and being part of today. Yeah. <laughs> they all have size 12 feet. I just want you to know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good to be here. Happy Easter um, to all of you, whether it's your first time here or whether you come uh, all throughout the year. We're glad that you're here and you're always welcome to be part of what God is doing here and God is doing um, in lives here. Um, we're going to be talking about hope this morning, and hope is a, boy, what an incredible word that, that, that is. Um, I uh, was reading Reader's Digest the other day. Remember that magazine, Reader's Digest? Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you know you're getting older when in Reader's Digest you read, you read the articles, you know? And you know all the ads that they have in there are for hearing aids and incontinence pads. You know you're getting old when you start paying attention to those ads. I just want to let you know. So I read it for, for the ads. But anyway, what caught, what caught my eye on this particular um, edition was, was one of the titles uh, was How to Survive Anything. How to Survive Anything. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I might need that. And, 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 and it was how to, survive, how to Survive a Shark Attack. It's like, well, I'm not so sure I'm worried about that one, or how to survive a tornado. Now, we don't live in an area where there are any tornadoes, so I didn't have to pay attention to that one. But the next one was how to survive politicians. <laughs> I thought, okay, now it's getting relevant. And how to survive tel- telemarketers. One of the things, though, they did not have of all the list of how to survive anything was how to survive when you have no what? Because I think if you have no hope, it's tough to survive, isn't it? It's tough to, tough to get out of bed. It's, it's tough to go day to day when there's just simply no hope in life, whether it's no hope of purpose or no hope for forgiveness or no hope even for the diagnosis that you've received. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about um, this morning. Um, I love it that we're here, and we're all here for, for many different reasons. Uh, some of you, this is what you do every Easter. You come to Mariners, and, and, and you know, welcome back. We're glad that you guys are coming. Some of you, again, come all year long. Some of you, it's your first time here, and, and, and you might feel a little bit dragged here, you know, with a promise of, of a good breakfast or a promise of good music. And, and you are kind of here, you are here physically, but mentally or emotionally, you got both feet on the brakes, okay? You're, you're holding back on this thing and saying, I am just simply going to keep my foot strong on this brake and not really budge in my, my soul. Well, well, that's great. That's wonderful. And we're glad that you are part of today. Um, I know some people that come because um, someone cute invited them, okay? And he said to her, I'll follow you anywhere. And she said, good. Follow me to church. So, uh, so, so you are here um, right now. We're going to take a few seconds in order to give us all hope and mention three three-word phrases that are super important to everyone here on Easter. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's your first time here or you come all the time. These three phrases have the potential and the ability to change, to change everything. First one is this. It is finished. It is finished. Now, I, I like things finished, don't you? I like when things are done. I just like things completed. How many of you have projects at home that are not finished? Any of you have, have those? How many of you have a husband that has lots of projects that are unfinished? Any of you have, okay, yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. 
I do marriage counseling on Tuesdays through Thursdays. Uh. <laughs> the other day, the other day, I waxed my minivan, and yes, I have a minivan, and yes, when I got it, they took away my man card, so I no longer have that. But I was waxing the minivan. You know how much surface area is on a minivan? Holy cow! I mean, you're there for a long time, and here I was, wax on and what? Wax off. There you go. You're good. Uh, wax on and, and, and wax off. And when I was done, I said, it is what? It's finished. When you're finished with a project or you're done with a project, you say, it is what? It's, it's finished. You say those words when the lawn's mowed, the Easter dishes are done, or your homework project that's due tomorrow and you haven't started on yet, when you finish at one in the morning, you say what? It is finished. Right. Now, this phrase, this particular phrase, goes back to Jesus, and it goes back to Jesus on the cross. And one of his disciples was there, and his name was John, and John saw and heard what Jesus said, and he wrote down the exact words. He writes this, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head, gave up his spirit. Well, what's finished? What's the it that is finished? You know, I I, got to talk about sin a little bit, only because sin is real. And sin is kind of a big deal because it affects you and it affects people around you. It affects you because when someone lies to you or cheats you or talks bad about you, you get hurt. You do. And when you or I do it, lie or cheat, others, what? Others get hurt, don't they? Um, And we could say, well, they're just little sins. And if you think that a little lie about someone or a little gossip or cheating somebody is just a little thing, then you've never seen the other side of the lives that have been ruined by it. Because it happens and it's real. God also gets hurt by it because it's his world. And he loves his people. And when... People hurt other people. Um, It hurts him. It hurts his heart. And so God had a project, a project to do, a work to be done. Strange word for somebody on a cross for their last breathing words to say, it is finished. I would hope that my last words are not, it is finished. I, I would hope there's something like goodbye or something like that. Jesus' last words were, it is finished. Strange words. What's finished? Those are project words. What's finished is how do you make lousy people like me ready for eternity? Because I got a bunch of sins racked up against me. And being good enough can't help me because I can never be good enough. I know me, okay? And I know a lot of you. We just can't be good enough. And this was the issue. The Bible says this, so God did what I could not do. I could not do. He sent his own son, Jesus. It's a project that I couldn't do myself. And in Jesus, God declared an end of sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And there it is. The words, it is finished, deal with why Jesus came. He came to complete that work, which is that someone needs to pay for your sins. Someone's got to pay for it. Either you can pay for it, 
or I can't pay for yours because I got my own issues to deal with. We need somebody who's perfect. And Jesus was. And that's why on the cross, his words were, it's finished. Next phrase, he is risen. Now, them's Easter words, um, and you know them. They were said on the first Easter when the women went to the tomb and saw God's angels there. The Bible says this, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. And again, here's the famous phrase, he is what? He's risen. He's risen. Um, for my college degree, I, I went to Cal Poly. No, not the nice one. I went to Cal Poly Pomona. Okay, beautiful <laughs> Los Angeles Basin, <clears throat> and um, I had a Western civilization teacher, Western Civ teacher, who taught what many things that you may have been taught. He, you, know, you may have been taught this in college as well, and this was the Jesus stuff. It's all a myth. Jesus is just simply a myth. It's all stories. It's all made up, and he would say things like, no one even really knows when the real Easter Sunday was in the first place. And he would say statements like, do you know that Christmas is not the day that Jesus was born? They don't even know the exact day that Jesus was, was what Jesus' birthday was. And also, did you know that the Babylonians had a mythological savior who was virgin born? And I'm thinking, whoa, wow, you know, wow. I never heard this stuff before, you know, Where's this stuff coming from? And he talked about, about the legends and the myths and how, how this Christianity thing has always been phony and it's really only for the ignorant masses or the ignorant people that don't really think. And, and I'm thinking, whoa, you know, these are some pretty heavy bombs being kind of lobbed out to us impressionable 19-year-old kids, you know. And I began to think this one out, and I started thinking, wait a second. Um, I know some really smart people, and um, they believe in Jesus, and they believe in Jesus' death on the cross. They don't seem to me that stupid. They don't seem to me to be duped or believe in just some myth because it gives them some kind of a, a fake peace in their life. They seem to really... Believe this stuff. Have they just ignored all those things you've been telling us? I mean, have they really known all those facts you've been telling us and just simply chosen to ignore them and just not pay attention to them and just simply try and propagate that, which is fake for their own profit? They, they're, not that, they're not those kinds of people. Have Christians for 2,000 years just ignored this evidence? I mean, what's going on here? And the smart Christian people that I know were pretty humble. And you, Mr. Western Civ teacher, are now being pretty smug and self-righteous. Kind of a poop head, you know? You're just, <laughs> just there. And so I began to read the Bible and the account of Jesus. It reads too real to be made up. It just does. You read it and it's too real. I mean, the disciples who wrote it, well, if I were to write a story about this kind of stuff that I know is going to be held in favor for a long, long time, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write myself in looking like a doofus, okay? And for the most part, the disciples who wrote it don't have it all together. And, and the movement that started, it actually began to change lives, real lives. And I realized that the whole Bible only makes sense because of this thing about Jesus. That's what tied it all together. 
And it tied together too tight. And it was too consistent to be made up. People that, that didn't even know each other were writing about this and writing about this and this and this and this. But it all comes together and synthesizes in an incredible way. Then I went to grad school, studied the theologians, and I studied the historians, and I studied the philosophers, and I found out they were not covering anything up. They fully knew the challenges that were out there. They absolutely knew those arguments against what they were believing. And they had real answers to those challenges, answers that my Western Civ professor was not giving us. In fact, the challenges against Christianity became pretty wimpy. And following Jesus honestly has more reasonable answers to why the world is the way it is and why people are the way that they are than any other thing out there, any other thing. In fact, the world only makes sense because of this. In fact, I only make sense the way I am because of this gives answers to life and it gives answers to death and it proves that everything Jesus said is true and if that's true then I can be right before God he is risen last words I have hope and again I mentioned that we're into the whole concept of hope this year esperanza I love that word hope is not a wish okay hope is not just simply a I call a wish wimpy hope that's all a wish is, you know. Like I turn on the TV and I hope something is good on Netflix, you know. There's not, I've checked, by the way. It's just Nicolas Cage movies all over the place. I can't stand those. Or I hope the Giants would score more runs, okay. That's not hope, that's what? Miraculous, okay. That would be miraculous. And so we've been saying here as, as, a, as a church, and you could ask anyone that, comes here, what is hope? And they would say, hope is the deep, settled confidence. God's in control of life and of my life, and no matter what happens, good or bad, I'll be okay. God's in charge of this thing. No matter what happens, I'll be all right. Can I share one more verse with you? Um, If anyone in the Bible story should have no hope, it would be Peter. It would be Peter. You know, and we call him sometimes from other churches, St. Peter. You know, we call him St. Peter. He was no saint. Okay, um, he is the guy who um, denies Jesus three times. He ran away from Jesus when he got arrested. He watched Jesus die, you know. And if he made it all up, he would have no hope. If he made it all up, if it weren't true, um, he wouldn't write these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living hope. Three phrases. It is finished. He's risen. I have hope. Can you say that? Are you able to say those words for you? It's finished what Jesus did on the cross. He's risen, and now I have hope. You know, we, uh, uh, I asked the question why you came here this morning, and 
It may have been the food. It may have been tradition. It may have been habit. It may have been dragged here by someone cute. (laughs) For the foundation of the world, God knew you'd be here. And he knew that you needed one of those three phrases. He is risen. It is finished. I have hope. And what we do is usually here is I believe God kind of works in our minds, our hearts, and provide opportunity to let you process that and maybe make a decision in your heart on how you want to respond to what God is maybe tugging at you to do or asking you to do. So I would invite you maybe to just bow with me if you would, please. Maybe close your eyes if you'd like. Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed. Uh, God actually hears the heart and what your heart is saying. Maybe your heart is saying right now, I have walked away from God. Uh, I have been living life trying to take control of my own life, and it's not working very well. Would God even take me back? course he would what kind of a loving God wouldn't or maybe for you this is the first time you've heard about a God that could love you so much and a savior Jesus that you would not have to work trying to work off all your sins but they were all done it is finished he didn't say it's begun he said it's done maybe you need to say that's what I want that's what I want my life to be in that and God saying to me Paul it's finished your sins are forgiven so I'm now free to live a life for God and hey if you're here this morning maybe you're going through something that you never thought would come your way this thing hits you blindsided whether it's a divorce or whether it's cancer or whether it's something else can you say to God God I will have hope in you even though and there's a lot of even those even though I will have hope and trust in a loving God God knows your heart God knows the decisions that you're making and any step closer to him is good a decision made for Jesus is great thank you that you hear us and you care about us in Jesus name